You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We are a church that strives to have open hearts, open minds, and open doors as we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And one of the ways that we do that is offering up our sermons for you to listen to. And so we hope you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org or on our social media at TahlequahUMC. So enjoy today's message. So we're in the second week of our Book of Revelation uh, sermon series. And and let me tell you, um, last week I was at um, Lay Servants Ministry School, and that's where um, we we train people to be able, um, laity, to be able to, at the whim of a phone call late in the evening, be able to go into church and be able to preach a sermon or uh, lead a Sunday school class. or um, There's other things that lay servants do, but, but part of this training is to equip them to be able to walk into a church uh, on a whim and be ready to know how to do things a part of the church, whether that's serving um, a small church or uh, maybe uh, assisting uh, in worship. Um, when I have lay servants in the church, I usually ask them to help with liturgy or um, they help me uh, in, a, in a whole lot of ways. And and I really enjoyed that weekend, and, and I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to be able to go and um, giving me um, the space, although it, it, it just worked out that when Emery called and said, hey, Matt, I'd really like for you to, to, to teach a class on worship to our advanced students uh, on this particular date, and the first words out of my mouth were, well, I didn't have anything to do that Sunday. I should have known that I'd have a whole lot to do that Sunday. See, I got to um, the event, and, and we found out that uh, Emery's wife had been in a car accident, and she's doing okay now, she, but Emery wasn't sure if he was going to make it on the weekend, and so he said, hey, uh, guess what? You can do communion, and you can preach as well. And so I'm sitting there in this room at Camp Egan, and I asked them, I asked the people that were there, and these are people that are, are, are very faithful to the life of their churches and, and, and have grown up in the church in, in all many different ways and come from many different backgrounds, and I asked them this question. How many of you have heard a sermon on the book of Revelation? I waited and waited, and not a single hand went up. And part of me was a little bit concerned, but then part of me realized that that when it comes to the book of Revelation, we tend to be afraid of it. We don't read it. Or if we read it, we read it and we read it. We don't understand what in the world that we just read and, and we're lost and discombobulated and saying, I don't understand what John is talking about here. Um, man, this is scary. And so we don't put it down and we don't finish the book and, and we don't realize that, that really in the end that God wins and that's all that really matters and, and, and we become scared. And so we never address the book or as I want us to do, I want us to look at the book of Revelation as a letter to, to seven churches in the sense of using prophetic and um, apocalyptic style language to be able to convey a message. Hey, that God wins, you need to do better, and wake up. But you know what's interesting is as we've um, gone through this uh, book in um, our Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon Bible study, we, we've noticed that some of those things can apply to us today. And rooting through that language and that imagery is a little bit difficult because our minds don't think that way. Why? Because we turn on the TV. And, you know, there's been a rise of apocalyptic movies and, and literature come up in the world, but it's not something that someone stands and reads from a book and amongst the crowd. See, when they would have read this letter, they would have gone kind of like what we were doing right here, and there would have been a reader standing there reading this letter. Could you imagine hearing this letter? 
all 22 chapters of it. It'd be a little bit scary, wouldn't it? It may, th- may make you rethink how you're living your faith. And so part of this, I, I wanted us to be able to unpack this. I wanted to be able to, to look at this for, for during this Easter season because I want us not to be afraid of this book anymore. I want us to be able to see how we can actually learn something from this book. And, and when someone says the book of Revelation, we don't get that scary runaway feeling like we get. We get that, hey, there might be something here. Because do you realize a lot of our liturgy, the music that we sing on Sundays, comes from the book of Revelation. And so you've been, you've been, it's been a part of who you are, you just didn't realize it yet. And so I, I want us to, to be more comfortable with it. And so when I challenged Shannon, when, when Shannon and I were talking about this, and, and she wasn't for sure, and, and man, I had to really sell her on this, that it will be okay. And she had the easiest week of the world. God is the Alpha and the Omega. And then we tied into what she always does, is God loves you and so do I. And so last week, Shannon had this great line in her sermon. She said, hope is alive because love is on the throne. And she boiled that down really well. That really, when we think about the end, and we think about the end times, is that if we have hope in Jesus, that, that, that it will be alive and all things will be made new because God is on the throne, what more do we have to fear? And so as we think about this, I, I want you to open yourself up to the possibility that this book may speak to you and not to be afraid. Because when we do that, God's word uh, penetrates our hearts and, and touches us and changes us in such a way that when we look at it, we're not afraid anymore. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a world when, where if someone was coming to me with the book of Revelation, they were trying to scare the hell out of me and trying to get me to convert to Jesus right then and there because if I died tonight, would I end up in hell or heaven? But I don't read that when I see this. I see God winning. I see people being challenged to put God at the very center of their lives. And I see that comfort that the worst thing is never the last thing. So let's dive into our reading for today. And I'm actually going to back up a few uh, verses here, verses um, chapter, I know it says 11 through 14. We're actually going to back up to verse 8. And so if you have your Bibles with me, uh, turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. So let's jump in on this reading today. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before, this, before the Lamb. Each held a harp and gold bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They took up a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain by your blood. You purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation, You made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will rule on earth. Then I looked, and I heard the sound of many angels surrounding the throne, the living creatures, the elders that numbered in the millions, thousands upon thousands. They said in a loud voice, Worthy is the slaughtered lamb to receive power, wealth, wisdom, and might, and honor, glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. I heard everything everywhere say, Blessing, honor, glory, and power belong to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and always. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So you know that word amen means so be it. And I love how in, in the scripture reading for today, we, we, we end with this notion of, of so be it, that, that they're pointing towards this song, they're singing the song of heavenly praise. And notice that it's a, it's a company of heaven, it's everybody, and, and everybody connected to this is, is singing this praise to God and, and acknowledging who God is and, and was, that God is everything, and God has all the power, wealth, and wisdom, and might. Because God has all these things, so be it. And I think far too often we use that word amen and we don't really realize how that can affect us. When we pray a prayer and we say amen, we're lifting it up to God and say, so be it. Have you ever thought about that? That when we pray a prayer, and whether it's the Lord's prayer, that we pray every Sunday morning and we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We lift that up to God and say, so be it. And I think in our lives, if we mirrored that in our lives, if we mirrored giving all of ourselves to God, all of ourselves, not just that stuff that we think is okay, but if we just say, hey God, here I am, even my broken parts, even the parts that may not be perfect, you know, those rough patches in your life? And we say, here you go, God, I I know I'm not perfect, I know I haven't done everything well, but I know that you love me and I know that you care for me, so be it. Could you imagine God's response? It's simple. God welcomes us in. God cares for us and loves us, despite our brokenness. God doesn't sit there with a checklist and say, all right, you, you definitely hit this part, you do this right, you do this correctly. You do. I mean, if God did that, man, we'd all be up a creek. Nobody would have a chance. But God looks at us for who we are and calls us and to be together in community. And, and, and yes, we aren't perfect, and we have our problems, but God brought us together for a reason, to be a living force for this world, to be able to see how God's world could be made known. And, and I think far too often we forget that God needs us to be the hands, feet, and heart. And when we say so, be it, and we, and we give thanks to God and we give praise to God in, in our highest of high or lowest of low, you know, when we prayed at a funeral and we we're remembering the life of the person and we say, so be it. We're lifting that person up to, to, to God and, and we acknowledge our human suffering that, that it's not easy. And we need God to, to help us through these moments and those times where, where you know, it's not easy. But you know what's great? God understands. This image of the slaughtered lamb that we hear in the book of Revelation is, is that image. They, they wanted you to remember that Jesus died for you. And it not just like a normal death. They wanted you to remember that he was slaughtered. And so you'll see that pop up over and over again in the book of Revelation. There's this image of the slaughtered lamb was, well, it was to remind you that, that God understands your pain. Because he suffered. God understands what you're going through because he's been there, done that, had the t-shirt, got the bumper sticker. He was slaughtered. And when when they would hear this, they would would be reminded of that story that we just said a few weeks ago in Easter of of Jesus' death and, and resurrection, and they would have hope again. And we see in this story, in, in this image, this, this use of image, is that we could get lost 
trying to figure out what it all means. When it really means is it's God calling us to be faithful. How are we worshiping God? You know, worship is that conversation where we offer ourselves to God and give God thanks and praise. And our society tells us that worship is about us and what we get out of it and how we feel about it. And, and if it doesn't make us feel good and make us feel confident in everything, that, that, it, that worship was missed. But what if we came to worship despite our brokenness, despite what bad things we may have done? What if we came to worship and said, God, here I am. And, and what if when we sang those songs, what if, what if there was a song that when you were singing, it, it, you sang a, a line that, that touched your heart? I know for me, I remember the very first time this happened to me is when we sang, Here I am, Lord. And I remember hearing that song that I, I can hear you calling in the night. Will you go, Lord? If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. I love music. I don't sing the best. I, I, I'm not the best singer in the world. I, I know that. A record deal is not in my future. And if it is, thank God. But if not, I want to give God my best singing voice that I can. And so every Sunday, and there are some Sundays I don't even know the words of the songs, just like you. But I'm going to learn. And I'm going to give God my all. There's sometimes I don't even know the, the prayers. Sometimes they don't work on the screen, and, and that's not Tom's problem. That's, that's the inputter, and I'm the inputter. And they may speak to you. If we go to God with all that we are and all that we am, and we, and we can, and, and we share God our whole selves, and we don't hold back, amazing things happen. But I think far too often we become scared and we're afraid about what real worship looks like. Real worship is not about you. Real worship is about God and singing praise. And that's why as John's have, I, I imagine John sitting on the island, and all of a sudden he kind of looks up and, and he sees the, this awesome choir, and not just like, like choir, we're talking like choir, and, and not just like a small rumbling of, of sound, but this vast amount of sound singing worthy to the slaughtered lamb that would be so overwhelming, so emotional that John would cry. And when he would have this sacred moment and he would see the elders fall down and worship, I think the only words he could say would be, Amen. Warren Carter, and I would encourage you, if you're really wanting to understand the book of Revelation, pick up this book. It's a great read. It's not up here. You don't have to have a seminary degree to read this book. It's a really good book. But Warren Carter, this week's chapter, he says this, John's strategy is to disqualify participants in all other worship activity by revealing the true worship of God. If they, could see the true, if they could see this true worship, they would know to evolve, avoid false worship. I'm going to read that again. John's strategy is to disqualify participation in all other worship activity by revealing the true worship of God. If they could see this true worship, they would know to avoid false worship. 
And what he's saying here is that in this image that was revealed to John is a true worship experience is it makes John rethink about himself and how he's worshiping and when he's worshiping. And when we can be honest about about that, about ourselves, about truly offering ourselves up to God in true worship, we'll have that connection to the holy. And so I want to invite you that when we sing the songs and, and gather and praise and together as community, that, that we give it our all. And even if your all is not a whole lot, but if we just give a little bit, it's amazing to see how much that that small little voice becomes a loud sound. And so God calls us not to be afraid, but to say the amen and give ourselves to God. So be it. This week, May you open yourself up to the risen Christ who loves us and cares for us and all God wants from us is us. So be it. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast and we hope you connect with us at TahlequahUMC.org.